we started a prayer meeting at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, and then we had to cancel two Sunday mornings in a row. And so we did it one time, but if you would like to come just a little bit early for Sunday school, we'll pray for about 15 minutes. Just pray for God to bless the day and uh, his will to be done and the visitors and souls and all that. Uh, 9.30 this Sunday right here. And then uh, there was something else I was gonna mention. Make sure you sign up for couples retreat. And oh, this Sunday is... Um, Valentine's Day. It's I Love My Church Sunday. So you can tell if you've been wanting to invite somebody to church, tell them to come this Sunday. Everybody in attendance will get a little Valentine, a little sweetheart thing, okay? So uh, something sweet, something sweet. And so uh, you say it's not romantic. It's just as a friend, come to Valentine's Day church with me. Uh, but you can invite them to uh, church this Sunday. So Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter number 3. All right, when you find your place, let's stand together, lest ye be drowsy for having prayed and sat still for so long. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. You just follow along, if you would, as I read. Galatians 3, 1 through 5. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever encountered a sleepwalker? Maybe you've got one in your family. Maybe you are a sleepwalker or maybe you've gotten in the bed after your spouse has fallen asleep and then they start talking to you and you know that they're not awake or you try to wake them up. They fell asleep on the couch and they say things and you know there's no way. The other day that happened to us and uh, I don't mean to use myself as an illustration, but I, I know myself so I know a lot of things about me. But Kara said she tried to wake me up and uh, I looked at her and I said, I know what a brick is, Kara. And I said it a few times and I, made, and I was like so condescending and I like a condescending imperialist, Appalachian Mountains. Uh, anyways, that's an inside joke. Um, but, but you know, sometimes you hear somebody uh, say something or you see them walking around and you're like, I, I know they're not all here. And, and what do you do? You try to snap them out of it, right? Snap out of it. Hey, 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 sometimes you got to whistle. Hey, snap your fingers, you know. They're doing something that you know is not like them. They don't mean to be doing that. They know better. Well, the Galatians had a problem. The region of Galatia, and Paul was writing to them, and uh, just to remind everybody, if you're just getting here for this study, they were adding works to their salvation by grace called legalism. And they were really getting affected by this. And they were being duped, turned away from the simplicity that Hey, if you can imagine Paul saying, oh, foolish Galatians, a little bit harsh, right? But he was trying to snap them out of something that would be very harmful to them if they continued. They were under the influence of something other than Jesus. Number one, in your notes, the problem. The problem. They were foolish. If you look at verse number one, oh, foolish Galatians. He didn't mince words. Anything that seeks to improve upon the finished work of Jesus Christ is foolish. They were getting lazy in their belief, in their understanding. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word circumspectly means to have your head on a swivel. 
You can imagine an owl, how he can turn his head all the way around. He's looking everywhere. He knows that there could be a, a predator or something anywhere he's looking or something to eat. He's just looking all around. And you and I should be walking circumspectly, being aware, being wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There are new things that have come out and that do come out all of the time. Since Jesus Christ was on the earth, since right after he uh, was crucified and rose again and the, the church was in its very first years, there was false teaching that had to be rebuked and pointed out. I mean, right away. Look at the epistles. Look at just Corinthians. I mean, there were some bad things right away in that early church. There's a lot of, and this will help us be circumspect, if you read a lot of newer Christian books, and, and I guess any Christian books, but newer Christian books, Christian books that are written for the purpose of selling, you understand what I'm saying? Or, or listen to Christian artists like singers that are recorded for the purpose of selling albums. They kind of avoid some subjects. Uh, I was reading one author and um, they, they said that there was a singer that went out from their church, a little bit famous singer, and they were told not to mention anything about the blood of Christ because they didn't want to be divisive and that would just freak people out. Well, look, you don't have Christianity without the blood of Christ. And so if you try to go with a, with a big umbrella and try to get as many people as you can together, that's a bad thing to do, first of all. And, and when you read any kind of newer book, people try to, it's always about unity. And I talk about that, not to ever criticize unity, but it's always trying to tear down the walls. Let's minimize our differences. And to a point, I'm for that, really. I mean, it's all about Jesus Christ, but what they often mean by that, and this is part of walking circumspect, not saying everybody, but what they often mean by that is let's not worry about the things that divide us. But a lot of times, the things in the word of God do divide us. They do. You know, I can't compromise anything in here for the purpose of getting along with anybody. Right? And our church can't either. And you can't either. Well, let's, let's allow them to come in. I know, they don't, I know they don't agree with this thing and that thing. But, and then as you go, people get saved and they start studying the Bible and they think it's too simple. There's got to be more. And they start uh, getting books about subjects about which the Bible says very little. Listen, if the Bible doesn't say much about something, then we don't need to know much about that thing in the spiritual realm. Talking about how there's, there's uh, demonic uh, 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 states and provinces and there's king demons and different, like, look, the Bible Bible, like, relax, all right? Walk with God. We don't need to be delving into things that the Bible doesn't talk about, but often the devil will give you a counterfeit is what I'm trying to say. Whatever anybody needs in order to draw them away from the simplicity of Jesus Christ, the devil's got for you. That's why I put in your notes, the devil's got an ice cream shop full of flavors, you go to an ice cream shop and I love me some good ice cream. You understand there's a couple of good ice cream shops at least in Hendersonville and you walk in and there's lots of buckets of ice cream, right? How many of y'all love ice cream, right? Little kids that like ice cream, right? On the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite ice cream. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, hallelujah. Speaking in tongues, that's good. And uh, I like me some, I usually go for like the coffee ice cream or some peppermint, some, some older person. My wife makes fun of me of uh, flavors. I like those kind of ice creams, a strong cappuccino flavor. And, and whenever you walk in the ice cream shop, whatever you want, they've, they've typically got it. They do. And, and they're all too happy to give you a sample. Like, what do, you, what do you like? What's your flavor? And they want you to leave with an ice cream. They don't care which one you take. And the devil has got lots of flavors for you. 
There's not one thing that the devil will throw your way and then just, hey, just so you know, this is wrong. Just want to avoid that. Look, do you want a God that uh, lets you do whatever you want? The, uh, the, there, there, there's a God for that. The devil's got a counterfeit, weak sauce Christianity for that. Hey, do, do you want many gods? A lot, you want millions of gods? Hey, there's a religion for that. Hey, do you want a religion or a, or a, a system of belief that teaches there is no God? Hey, we got something for that. Hey, do you, do you not know what flavor you want? Well, we got agnosticism. You can have a flavor for that. Hey, maybe you are right a Christian. Well, no problem. We've got a, a, a system of belief that's just a culture. You've got to do these things or whatever, whatever. There is a brand and a flavor for you. Circumspectly is staying in the word of God. How do you know what's right and wrong is knowing what's right. Somebody might ask me sometime about a certain religion, and I, I know a little about them, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not an expert on cults and other religions, and that's not to say that, that I shouldn't be learning all the time. I know a little bit, but, but how, do you, how do you make sure you stay straight on the, the truth is knowing the truth, really knowing this. That way, when you hear something that contradicts the truth, oh, not, not right, that's not right. And Paul was saying, ye foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That was the second problem that they had. Who hath bewitched you? Bewitched means to be charmed. He said, who has done this? That's kind of like what I mean by sleepwalking. They were walking along as if they were bewitched, as if they were under the control of something else. They were so mesmerized by this new teaching. So these Judaizers came in and they were saying, that's great, you've been saved. Let's add some things to salvation. And it's not, you're probably not gonna get confronted with a Judaizer today, but you will get confronted with somebody that says, oh, that's great, you named the name of Jesus. Well, have you done this? Well, make sure you do this to stay saved or to be saved. Who was it that did this? Galatians 5, 7 says, you did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? And I think it's a good time here to point out again that you are not above, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, you're not above your influences. You have to be so, so careful from a little child to a full-grown person, so careful who you allow to go through your ears, uh, to, to go through your eyes, uh, whatever your influences, they will affect your heart. Uh, the more you dwell upon something, you, you will unseat uh, Jesus Christ at, on the throne of your life. You will dethrone him in your life. Let me give you an example. Uh, and not even something necessarily bad. I like to listen to you know, podcasts about current events and financial markets and stuff. I just, it's a hobby. It's just something interesting. For you, it could be sports. For you, it could it'd be a trade or whatever. But I'll listen to a couple podcasts in the morning, maybe while I'm driving. And, and I notice that if I focus so much of my brain time of the day on something that is not Jesus Christ. I start to edge him out as number one in my life, as the thing that's on the forefront of my mind all the time. I, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I'm not far off here. And when you focus so much on something other than Jesus Christ, you start to focus on yourself. And when you start to focus on yourself, a lot of things happen. I thought it worth including in your notes. When you start just thinking about you and not on Jesus Christ, the more discouraged you'll be. Uh, which can ultimately lead to depression, the more you'll feel sorry for yourself, you won't be satisfied with your life, you won't think about others, you'll be less considerate, uh, the more you'll feel like you're owed by other people. If you, if you start to feel put out that somebody hasn't done something for you, uh, your family member or something, be careful, you're probably putting yourself on the throne and not Jesus Christ. Uh, the, you, you'll be less spiritual. Now, what's the answer to that? Now, the answer for me, when I start to feel like that, a little grumpy and I know not spiritual, is to whoop, turn it off, 
listen to some preaching. That's the answer for me. Some preaching, a good devotional, or like Jeremy was saying, a good Christian a preacher or something, good, a good Bible preacher, turn on some good Christian music, praising God, open up the book of Proverbs, get your proverb for the day, pray. It will change your life, change your life, change your perspective on the world because you'll put Christ right back on the throne of your heart. All right. When you focus on yourself, you'll be very, very dissatisfied with life. You put Jesus Christ first, then you, it's like you snap out of it. You are snapped out of a trance. Have you ever woken somebody up after they've been sleepwalking? A lot of times they're kind of embarrassed, kind of startled, and they say, where am I? And then you realize, why was I so worried about myself? Why was I so concerned about what I'm owed? I'm owed nothing. I was so lost. Now I'm so saved. Jesus Christ, Lord, what can I do for you today? I want to serve you today. It makes a big difference. It makes a big, big difference. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, who hath bewitched you? Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? And then uh, the third thing, they were disobedient. Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. He's saying there's no excuse. There's no excuse. And he said another place, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why I mentioned before when we sang victory in Jesus, I think the, 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 the year for victory in Jesus was 1939. Quick, how many years ago was that? 81? That's, I didn't figure it out. That sounds good. A long time ago, right? <laughs> many, many years ago. And some other songs we sing are like 100 years old. And you'll always have, and this is another thing with the brand and the, the flavor, you'll always have uh, people always that say, let's forsake the old paths. Now, to a point, I understand what they're saying. We don't need to, and I've mentioned this a lot, we don't need to look exactly the same in every generation. But if you encounter somebody with that attitude, well, it's changing for the sake of changing, you can probably run for your life and be in a good place. Because people who change for the sake of changing will inevitably change things that are true. We will never, ever outgrow the good, old-fashioned Word of God. What's wrong with the old black book my daddy used to read from? Is it so outdated by modern translations? Revised standard and good news are everywhere I look. Oh, won't somebody tell me what's wrong with the old black book? I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. Another song, they call me old-fashioned because I believe that the Bible is God's holy word. That Jesus Christ who dwelt among men was the Christ and the Son of God. Well, what's my answer? My sins were old-fashioned. My guilt was old-fashioned. God's grace was old-fashioned, I know. And the way I was saved was the old-fashioned way through the blood that makes whiter than snow. I get real nervous when I hear people I went to school with uh, uh, they, they're, I, don't, I can't explain it, but their clothes get tighter and tighter. Their glasses get thicker and thicker. And I can't explain it. It doesn't matter, but I'm just noticing you look a little different. And then uh, they, they mock the things that they once believed. And they say, well, the way that they used to do things. And look, I understand that you want to reflect your area, whatever, but, but we never, ever, ever graduate from the word of God and the straight gospel of Jesus Christ. I determined, Paul said, to know nothing among you. I don't have a new uh, book on how to grow your church. You'll find nothing in the word of God 
out about how to grow a church. You won't. Now, you find numbers here and there, but only two or three places. The numbers of people that got saved. What was the focus? It was preaching the straight, pure word of God. Getting people saved. It didn't matter if there was persecution. There was heavy persecution in the whole word of God for Christians. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to appeal to the masses. I'm trying to please one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you get real confused, real discouraged, real bitter when you start looking at each other and saying, well, how can we do this a little bit better? Yo, stay in the gospel. That's how you can do a little bit better. Stay in the word of God. Stay on our knees in prayer because Jesus Christ makes a difference. The Holy Spirit's power, you read the book of Acts, that's all we needed was the Holy Spirit's power, that rushing mighty wind. They were persecuted. What did they do? They didn't send out a letter to everybody. They didn't uh, send out a text. So they just got on their knees, not saying any of that's bad. They got on their knees. They said, Lord, we need some boldness to keep on preaching. That's what they said. And what happened? The Holy Ghost shook the place where they were and they spake the word of God with boldness. They had signs and wonders and people believed and the church grew and there was persecution too. Sure, but that, but Jesus Christ guaranteed some persecution. And so instead of looking, well, there's gotta be a better way. Now I understand the Bible, but it's so simple. It's too simple. No, it's not. Don't be tricked. It is simple. Jesus Christ died for you so you could go to heaven. Believe thou shalt be saved. It's simple. It's going to stay simple. Every single week I could get up here and say, hey, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I wouldn't talk about what we wear or what the latest fashion is and that would please the Lord. The gospel is very, very simple. Number two, he has some loaded questions. Some loaded questions. So Paul asked some sort of tongue-in-cheek sarcastic, obvious questions to answer. He's a little, you notice there's some sarcasm in the Bible. Verse number two, he says, this only what I learn of you. You're starting to add some works to your salvation. You're starting to believe a different gospel, which is not another gospel. He, I want to know this. Did you get saved by works? So they would have heard that and thought, well, you know, sheepishly, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> this only what I learn of you. Received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. You know, when somebody believes on Jesus Christ, they get the Holy Spirit right then, right then. Now you pray for the Holy Spirit to meet with us. And that, when, when people pray that, you know, the Holy Spirit is in every single one of you right now. What we're praying for is that the Holy Spirit would have control, that we would submit to the Holy Spirit. It would be less of us and more of Christ, as the song goes. That's what we're praying for. First John 4, 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us the Spirit. He's saying, did you do anything to earn the Holy Spirit? Did you get enough tokens? Did you do enough good works? And the obvious answer is no, you didn't. He asked another question, another loaded question. Are you growing in your faith by works? Now, I think all of us would understand that we don't get saved by works. We didn't receive the Holy Spirit by working for him. But sometimes we kind of think that we grow in our faith by doing a good job. And that's not the case at all. We have it backwards. We will do good works if we do them in the Holy Spirit. God's pleased with that. If we put good works, not submitting to Holy Spirit, walking in the flesh, we're edifying ourselves. We're validating ourselves. We're not working in the Holy Spirit. Remember verse number 20 of Galatians 2. If you don't have it memorized, it was last week's message. This verse, circle it, underline it, tattoo it on your forehead. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is all the Lord. And so we're growing in our faith. The Lord is working in us. He's trying to make us more and more like Jesus as we go along and mature in the faith. How do we do that? How do we assist 
by literally dying to ourselves, by us doing nothing but submitting completely to the work of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit within us. It's all the Lord. Now we'll do a lot of good works. Of course we're supposed to do good works, but die to ourselves first and do them all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember I gave you that model prayer last week. Lord, whatever I have going on, I surrender to you. I want to walk in the Holy Spirit today. So he says, do you get saved by works? Are you growing in your faith by works? No, no. Have you suffered for your faith for nothing. So he says, when you got saved, when you accepted the name of Jesus Christ, there was some persecution, which again, that's guaranteed in the Bible. If you're gonna name the name of Jesus and sell out for him, there's gonna be some persecution eventually, and there really, really was in the New Testament time. And he said, all of that persecution you suffered for identifying with the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ, and now you're, you're adopting another gospel, which is another Jesus, basically, not the Jesus of the, of, of the grace of God, the Son of God, this is not what he taught, what was the point of all the persecution? He's saying, why did you endure all that if you're gonna forsake what you were being persecuted for? And then finally, finally, number three, he said, remember when. Remember when. He says, listen guys, I need you to think about something with me for a second. Remember all the victories won in the short history of our young church here in the region of Galatia. There were a lot, there were Iconium, Derby, Lystra, there was an Antioch in, uh, in Galatia, there was, there was one in Syria as well, but one in Galatia. All these churches he's writing to, it's supposed to be circulated, cycled throughout the churches. He said, all the things that you've gone through and all the victories God has won, all the answers to prayer, all the power that's been manifested by God, did any of it, think about it, did any of the awesome moments in our church have anything to do with a person or did it have to do always with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? And you think back, it says it's gonna be only by faith in God, only. Now we can work, we can try, and we can do something, and maybe, but God's power, those victory moments, are only because of God. We can, uh, not for sake of time tonight, but you can go to Acts 14 later and read all of Acts 14 and the awesome miracles and the power uh, in, in uh, I mentioned in Derby, Lystra and, I, Lystra and Iconium, those are all towns in Galatia. And he's saying, think about it. Think about all those times. Remember when I went through and, and I went with Barnabas and I ordained elders in every city and that was all God. I'm just a messenger. I'm just an instrument. Verse number five, he therefore that minister, ministereth to you in the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of, of faith? I, uh, uh, when, when you study about uh, education and uh, college and all that, and I was thinking about it lately because they say they're gonna forgive federal loans and all that, and, and you read about uh, how high can you go in a certain field, and there's something called a terminal degree. And probably some of you know, most of you know, but a terminal degree just means you can't go up any farther in that particular field of study. It's usually like a PhD. So you're a doctor of humanities or philosophy in that certain subject. Well, do you know what the terminal degree is in Christianity? It is literally Jesus Christ and him crucified. It gets no, listen, you might say, well, I've got so much to learn about the Bible. And I understand that. We should study to show ourselves approved. Had a good conversation this week about the Old Testament and what the sacrifices mean and how Leviticus goes with Hebrews and how it unlocks. And that's all great and that's awesome. And you should study, but it will never get more complicated than Jesus Christ died for your sins. How can just a little tiny kid, a young child, understand enough to get saved? Because it is very simple. And it takes the faith of a child. You're a sinner. Jesus Christ died to pay for those sins. You ask him by faith, he will save you and take you to heaven. That is as complicated 
as it gets. And he said, you're trying to work up, you're trying to do all these things and add these things to your very sweet, praise the Lord, salvation by grace testimony. What did God use in the past? Only you submitting by faith. It was always all God. I'll, I'll end with this. Remember Sunday morning, I preached on Asa and I just love, or Second Chronicles 14 through 16 if you didn't happen to catch the message. But the story of Asa is unbelievable. How he had this huge victory of untold numbers coming against him and, and how he had that victory, he just prayed to God. God, it's nothing to you. You can do this. If it's your will, please help us. And God smote the army. God answered. Well, many years goes by, then he's got a small army and he doesn't go to God. He thinks he's got it figured out and he had a terrible, miserable failure. It was foolish on his part. The prophet came to him and he responded badly and then the very end of his life, I cannot get over this end of Asa's life. He had a disease in his feet, the Bible says, and it got so severe that eventually he died from it. But in, and this is the end of his life, in his disease, he did not go to the Lord but consulted only with the physicians. And I said Sunday morning, you should go to the doctor, nothing against doctors, but God is the answer. <laughs> and he did not go to the Lord. He went to doctor after doctor after specialist, came in all the money at his disposal, but he couldn't get well, why? Because he didn't go to God. And you and I try to get so fancy and complicated and add things, and, but it is, it is always only the Lord Jesus Christ. The simple, the working of the Holy Spirit in you, the simple word of God. I opened the Bible the other morning and I started reading and it really felt like talking to an old friend. You know, your friends can change, times can change, administrations change, generations change. You open up that Bible, it hasn't changed. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's pretty sweet. You know, this word of God is in heaven right now. The words of God are pure as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. I love the Bible. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to never get above the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if we're discouraged tonight, if we're depressed, if we're a little too focused on ourselves, you'd help us to snap out of it. You'd help us to force ourselves to get in the word of God and get on our knees and pray and put you back on the throne of our hearts, the, the forefront of our thinking, Lord. We love you. I pray that you'll bless our church, God. Bless Sunday. Bless discipleship tomorrow night. Bless uh, Sunday. Bless the prayer meeting, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I pray that people would get saved, Lord. I pray that the saints here would be edified. I pray that you'd send revival to our church. Help us to be people of prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.